the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. Couple quick things. The markets. Let's take a quick look at the markets and see where we are. Um, I'm not all that caught up in the day to day of the markets. I don't lose sleep over it. I work a little bit harder, and thus, in some cases, I do lose some sleep. But you see what I'm trying to say. The markets opened lower today across the board. The Dow down 131, the Nasdaq down 32, the SP 500 down 15. Gold sits at 11.30 an ounce. Crude oil sits at 43, almost $44 a barrel. Ten-year Treasury sits at 2.1%. Those are the numbers that I instantly look at. Then I start getting a little bit more, you know, detailed. But those are the numbers that I, I most look at. I see stories out there like, the last Titanic lunch menu saved by a survivor, it's going to auction. Who would want to own crap like that? What's wrong with people? Um... Car sales in America, major automakers are expected to report healthy August sales of new vehicles on tomorrow, despite posting an overall decline from the same month last year. Um, I get it. Very important to keep an eyeball on. We want to see about 1.5 million vehicles for the month. Thus, we want to see almost about 17 million for the year. Samsung's next smartwatch. Samsung, the number one phone maker, introduced a new smartwatch two years before Apple did, but being first to market hasn't produced any fruit for Samsung. Uh, the company's number five maker of wearable computers after Fitbit, Apple, Xiaomi, Garmin. Um, still, Samsung plans to introduce another watch on Thursday, the Gear 2. Disney's marketing the heck out of the new Star Wars film, The Force Awakens. Um, they're going over 18 hours in 15 cities in 12 countries. They're rolling out all the gear that you're going to be able to buy, all the toys and all the chotskis, as I like to refer to them. Uh, will people turn out and pay attention to this YouTube report? I don't know. The big number this week is going to be jobs. and Hopefully that's not draconian like 
the evil empire themselves. Hopefully the Labor Department will again say things are pretty good. We're looking for slightly more than 200,000 jobs to be added. 5.3% um, unemployment rate could tick to 5.2, could tick to 5.4. There's some wild cards in it tied towards participation and hourly wages. Those are the things I'm going to be looking at myself. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Let's talk about the 10 pillars of retirement income planning. Bring in CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, plan for your surviving spouse. My dad didn't exactly do that. My dad had a lot of life insurance on himself and almost, no, 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 a lot of life insurance on her, my mom, and nothing on himself. Kind of tragic that we don't think of our spouses. Yeah, you know, um, one of the things you can do is go to YouTube and type in Desperate Housewives and Social Security. Okay. And you'll see the clip that I talk about sometimes at our events where the older lady, um, she her husband passed away and she's sitting there and she he passed away late at night and I guess she went through some papers and things like that and realized that all right I'm not going to get my social security anymore I'm going to get his his pension is going away that's been our main source of income I am going to be up the creek when it comes to finances so that's when she decided to put him in the freezer in the basement and it was all well and good she was collecting both checks until the kids went to find a popsicle and found the frozen dead guy um, that's the, that's the idea of planning for your surviving spouse and kind of a shocking story. Wouldn't you like um, to know the statistics of people who, you know, grandma dies and they just bury her in the backyard and keep oh, getting yeah, checks? It, it's funny because I've seen that on a couple of different shows, um, a couple of different shows besides Desperate Housewives. It's kind of the only time I tune in is when there's finances related, right? But yep. um, there's been a lot of situations where planning for your surviving spouse isn't just about money. Um, if you're in a situation and it's either the husband or the wife that handles everything, maybe even the overall investment strategy and that was their passion and that's what they like to do, they paid every single bill, dealt with every single investment, if you pass away and you don't have a backup plan for your spouse, a trusted fiduciary-based advisor for your spouse to go to because they're not going to want to do it on their own, you're not planning for your surviving spouse. You're leaving a mess. You're not leaving a legacy. So if if you think you're good at it and you're handling everything as a, and you're in the in a married couple situation, right. you're only good if you have that backup plan. So that's one thing. The other thing is that people have to understand when when one spouse dies, the smaller social security check goes away, and the 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 surviving spouse, which is typically the female, keeps the larger check, which is typically the male's check, right? Right. So that's the way that works. But that's still a reduction in income. When there's two people. And one of them passes away. It's not just, and it's not expenses are definitely not cut in half ever. The only expense that typically gets cut in half is food and health care, and that's it. Um, I can't think of many other expenses that get actually cut in half. So if you have a pension that's going to go away, a pension that's going to get cut in half, like a 50% survivor pension, you need to plan for that. And as you go into retirement, if you have a pension, and uh, you don't know what the the spousal benefits are. Or if you know it and it's zero or 50%, that's the one time, uh, one out of two times that people need permanent life insurance where term insurance doesn't work. They might need long-term, you know, a, a permanent low-cost death benefit so that when they pass away early, their wife gets tax-free lump sum and the pension goes away. Um, let, me give so you, it, let me give you a quick example of just using your words where you say plan for surviving spouse. Um <clears throat> It's also bigger than that. It's like sometimes just show your spouse where the money is. 
the insurance policies. Show your children where the life insurance contract is. Like just having a plan and writing it down is a big part of this and not just the, the tangible things you're talking about. But putting it down on paper is critically important because big mistakes could be seen and caught and fixed before they become problems. Yeah, and that's just basic estate planning, too. You know how many people have a uh, safety deposit box and nobody knows where the key is or where they have it, but they mentioned they have one, and it drives people batty for years. Where's There could be something. There could be bars of gold in, in the safe deposit box that Grandpa mentioned, yeah. and nobody ever finds it until it gets turned over to the state. So, um, yeah, planning for the surviving spouse, it, it, we get interviewed quite often by people that, hey, you know, I'm doing this all myself now, but... You know, I'm not I'm not doing too well physically, um, and I want somebody else that my spouse can turn to because my my spouse is an artist and I am the finance guy. You know, so it's it, it's it's responsibility. It is, and again, it, it ran in my family, so it could run in anyone's family. Where my dad just my mom was a housewife her whole life, and she never bothered to know about money until he kicked over and died, and suddenly she had to know. It's anything else we need? We've got about thirty seconds. Well, it's a, if you're the spouse that happens to be listening now and, oh, I just turned into a finance show, and let me catch your ear for a minute because if it's not your bailiwick, you don't like to do it, um, that's also your responsibility to take a bit of an interest, at least have a quarterly meeting with your spouse. And I know you maybe don't like to deal with money or finances, um, but that's your responsibility. That's part of you know relieving some stress from the one that does do all the finances. So you got to work together when it comes to that. Sounds good. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. At the website, there's some resources, i.e. you can download a copy of the 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning, webinars, seminars, all sorts of good things going on. Check it out at newfocusfinancial.com. Coming up in the next segment, I'm going to go over all the top stories of the day. You can find out more about me at robblack.com. You can find out more about KDOW on other shows that we have on the station at kdow.biz. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. Find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Augmented reality is going to be one of the big buzzwords this year at Christmas. Will you buy a augmented headset? Uh, when you do virtual reality, the idea of like playing a horror game or like a zombie game where you put a headset on and like you feel like you're in the room sounds pretty darn neat. Sounds like a lot of fun. And some people are going to buy into that. And some people are going to enjoy it. <laughs> but also the idea of putting on a headset and seeing like, uh, 
being at the front row of a U2 concert. U2's happy because they realize that, you know, sometimes they sell out 18,000 seats and there's 3,000 people, 5,000 people that still want to go to the show, and now you can. It could be done on a regional basis, it could be done on a national basis, it could be done on an international basis. It's going to be big. There's no doubt about it. Um, back in the 1990s, I remember profiling a company called Cybercash. Um, it was an internet payment service for electronic commerce. It was headquartered in Reston, Virginia. It was founded by a guy named Daniel Lynch. Um, it basically provided an electronic wallet software to consumers and provided software to merchants. And I think it was on the cover of Time. It was on the cover of a magazine that called it the next Microsoft, question mark. Um, they came up with the electronic wallet. They came up with what was referred to as the Cybercoin, which was a micropayment system. Uh, in 1995, the company proposed RFC, Cybercash Credit Card Protocol, version 0.08. The company went public with the ticker symbol CYCH. It rose like 80% on its first day. It bought a verification company. Um, essentially, at some point in time, their technology got cracked a little bit. Um, the company went bankrupt. VeriSign acquired CyberCash assets, except for IC Verify, and you know, and name a couple of months later. They ultimately got sold to PayPal, already an eBay company, acquired VeriSign's payment services, including CyberCash. So here was the next Microsoft, right? And it has the whole wallet thing going. And this is something where I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised with um, the PayPal spinoff. It came out at a time when the market was high, and it's already started to fall. But now it's free of its proprietary relationship with eBay. PayPal has many, many chances to grow, and it can partner with previously off-limit vendors like Staples. And it can build out credit acquisitions that have taken, you know, other areas where it said it was remitting and it didn't do it. PayPal has grown its average account size to $1,400 last year from $850 in 2008. That's 9% growth year over year. Um, they offer and they operate an interchange network, which was created with huge banks such as Visa and MasterCard. The network charges a merchant a take rate of about $2.80 for a $100 transaction. Most of that money goes to the card issuer, and the rest goes to the processors like PayPal for facilitating the deal. PayPal can go after big vendors like Amazon and Staples um, that were wary due to the eBay links. I think you see, could see some upside in the stock in the short term. Um, Apple Pay, obviously out there. Um, they're all going to compete in transactions. Uber's going to try to. There's a company out there called Braintree um, that's also in the mix. But I think short term, there's going to be some action in the in the digital wallets. And I don't think long-term you want to make any bets. I think short-term you could try to trade. Um, just throwing it out there. I don't know if that helps. I don't know if that hurts. Uh, but I'm trying to give you some ideas. Stocks tumbled at the open today. Fed uncertainty and China fears. Out at the Jackson Hole get-together, the I'd call it a hootenanny, but I don't want to call it a hootenanny because that just sounds odd, right? Um, Federal Reserve Chairman Stanley Fisher said there's a pretty strong case for raising rates in, this, in September. 
Last week, Dudley came out and said, there's a pretty strong case for holding off raising rates. Just pick a side. Win or lose. This is a civil war. And whether we raise interest rates in September, October, November, December, to me, it doesn't matter. We're going to raise rates based on the U.S. economy. It's coming. So put your portfolio in a position where it could benefit. The sad thing is I don't think we're going to raise rates a lot, and I don't think it's going to be fast. Goldman Sachs has taken a knife to the Chinese GDP forecast. They're cutting their forecast over the next three years amid broadening pessimism of the health of the world's second largest economy. That instantly hit commodity stocks today because China needs oil, gas, steel, iron ore. They need commodities. They're building at an enormous clip, huge, fast. And uh, they want to become the world's number one economy. Right now, they're the world's number two economy, and they're still growing, you know, 5.7% versus 5.9%, you know, according to Goldman Sachs, from a couple years out. But it's a tinkering of numbers that has huge ramifications. The Chicago PMI came in today at a 54.4 reading in August. Um, so business activity in the Midwest declined modestly. That's not a win or a lose. It's kind of a push. Warren Buffett said he took a big stake in oil refinery Phillips 66, ticker symbol PSX. I would look at the other refineries and say, okay, now that we know this, what can we possibly, you know, angle? Oil prices are falling today on profit-taking. They had a huge Thursday and Friday run-up, biggest two-day rally in six years. Disney's getting ready to start a promotional push that is ridiculous um, on Thursday, they're going to unfold over 18 hours in 15 cities in 12 countries around the world, YouTube personalities uh, from Maker Studios, which Disney bought. And they're going to show you the toys live on camera that you'll be able to buy with The Force Awakens. Um, that just sounds ridiculous, or to use a dumber word, redonkulous to me. It's a bit much, but it tells you why you want to own Disney. Now, on the other side, why you don't want to own Disney is people are cutting the cable, and they're saying... I don't want cable TV, and that's going to hurt companies like ESPN, which is owned by Disney. Major automakers are going to roll out tomorrow a healthy August sales, despite a decline overall on a year-over-year basis. Because last year they had uh, Labor Day, and this year Labor Day is going to be pushed out a little bit. So that's something to work yourself into a tizzy about. Netflix is ending its Epic's cable deal, pulling the high-profile films from the service. Uh, like Hunger Games and World War Z. Netflix can't afford everything. They, they want to bring you content, but that content costs money. Um, so short-term, that may actually be a, a, a win for Netflix because they won't have to pay out so much in content fees to Epics. And people won't quit immediately, but they do need to continue to focus on content, right? Anyway, I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Twitter me. Rob Black Show, YouTube me, Rob Black Show. Find me on Facebook at Cron4 Rob Black. There must be something in the water, and there must be something that you doubt. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money 
1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Let's talk a little markets. It's going to be an up week. It's going to be a down week. It's anybody's uneducated guess since last week, which was down big, and then up big, and then sideways through everyone for a loop. All that's known is that there's a stock market that starts on Monday and ends on Friday. I'm not worried about the day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month. I'm worried about bigger issues, year-to-year, next five years. If this week turns out to be an amazing buying opportunity five years down the road, and I miss it because I'm worried about, oh, could it go lower? I'm just being silly. The rebound effort kicked in last week on little to no news. What started with three major concerns, valuations in the market, China devaluing their currency and trying to manipulate their market higher. And when will the Fed raise interest rates? It looks soon, like soon. Last time the Fed raised interest rates, it kind of caused a little bit of problems on the market. So we're kind of extrapolating. Maybe it does that again. So there was a report out of the Financial Times that suggested that China is going to back away from propping up the stock market with large-scale purchases and instead concentrate its efforts on working to rid the market of destabilizing forces. That's kind of ironic. China's China's intervention in the stock market hasn't exactly been the most stabilizing force because they're throwing a lot of stuff at it. And sometimes when you know the government will tell you, hey, the stock market's safe, and it falls, and then the stock market falls, and they're like, hey, the world doesn't know what we're doing. And then they're like, well, we're going to stop margin. Well, and you're like, okay, something's wrong here. They're trying a little bit too hard to tell us that things are okay. Over the weekend, Fed Vice Chairman Fisher gave a speech in Jackson Hole about inflation developments. His presumption is that inflation should be moving higher as disinflationary forces of a strong dollar and falling commodity prices dissipate in the coming months. In thinking as much, Mr. Fisher made it known to market participants that a September rate hike isn't off the table just yet. Last week, there was a little bit of a, hey, the whole world emerging markets are going to heck in a handbasket. U.S. looks great. So as the Federal Reserve, we may pause just a little bit. This week, it's a different game. It's, we may still act. It's frustrating, and it can be mind-boggling, and I don't want it to get to you. I came to work today, and I'm like, whoa, did I have a weekend? <laughs> Wasn't I supposed to unplug? No. You work harder when things are a little bit more comical on Wall Street. Um, other stories of note, Goldman Sachs is playing a part in driving commodity prices lower. Hmm. Interesting when you start talking about this kind of theory that a big brokerage firm could drive commodity prices lower by what they say. And maybe they actually have a financial incentive for it. 
Goldman Sachs cut its 2016, 2017, 2018 GDP growth targets for China to 6.4, 6.1, and 5.8% respectively. From its prior targets, slightly higher on all those. Not much, but slightly. A couple percentage points. Not percentage points. Um, Three-tenths of a percentage point. So when Goldman Sachs, a big brokerage firm, has a research or a marketing director or a business developer or a strategist, economist come out and say, we think commodity prices are going to go lower because China isn't going to grow as much. China basically, there was once a song called Elvis Needs Boots, Elvis Needs Boots, um, Elvis Needs Boots, China Needs Commodities, China Needs Commodities, China Needs Commodities. For China to grow that fast, they don't have enough coal and oil and natural gas and timber and concrete. So they need to get that stuff brought to them. And it comes from a lot of South American countries and other parts of the world. But South America really does well when the world needs boats, the world needs boats, the world needs boats. So by cutting China and the expectations, it's kind of telling me commodities aren't quite going to be, they just lost a little bit of upside. So maybe they, they go from running a, from doing 45 push-ups to doing 42. And I kind of like my boxers to do 45 push-ups, not 42. So suddenly I like my, my fighter, a li- there's a little less game in it. And I could be honest with that. So is Goldman Sachs destabilizing? Are they creating a problem for China? Are they creating a problem for commodities? Are they benefiting from what they're telling their brokers to tell their clients? It doesn't matter to me. It's like I don't like it when people come on TV and say, my favorite stock is, because quite honestly, uh, the people who watch TV, they differ. I can tell you that quite honestly. I get an email from a guy who I think is flat out insane on a regular basis. Um, and I get emails from terribly normal, stable people. So this week we get on Friday, the employment report. That to me is the single most biggest important report of the month. To me, it's better than home sales. To me, it's more important than cars. To me, it's more important than inflation numbers. We are an economy that gets a paycheck and spends a paycheck. Some years we save more, but not often. I'm already starting to try to plot out, you know, my next vacation, and it's going to cost money. And it's not going to be cheap. The employment report's a big one because it will either put the September 8 hike possibility to rest, or it'll revive it with great fanfare. Look for the average hourly earnings number for the market moving insight, in my opinion. And again, I'm not telling you this is going to happen. I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to say like this whole week doesn't matter because I'm not going to put a bet on Friday coming down to business per se. A um, couple other things: uh, stocks tumble at the open, basically again tied towards the Federal Reserve and continuing fears about a China slowdown. 
So despite stock markets rebound from big losses last Monday and Tuesday, its ability to close higher last week, the general tone of Wall Street reports released heading into the new week, is that the turbulent period for stocks isn't over yet. Very rarely do, do, we, do you ever encounter something that goes from violently crazy to calm again. Imagine the last time you and your spouse got into like a fight where there was alcohol involved. Very rarely is that isolated incident an isolated incident. It usually carries over the next couple of days. So just know that. Warren Buffett disclosed a new investment, a $4.5 billion investment into a oil refinery. Billionaire investor Warren Buffet is someone you can make money off of if you act like him over time. Over the short term, he tends to get in a little bit early. The founder of Berkshire Hathaway disclosed that he's purchased a massive stake in an oil refiner, Phillips 66, ticker symbol PSX. The whole oil segment has been just pounded um, with the falling of the commodity prices on oil. Oil fell below $49 a barrel today after its biggest two-day rally in six years last week. It's a little price-taking, profit-taking, pretty normal, pretty healthy. The new Apple iOS is going to let users halt ads on mobile devices, posing a challenge to publishers and to Google. Ooh. Apple's move to make it easier to block ads on iPhones and iPads is troubling publishers, and rightfully so, right? Um, someone writes that content or creates that content, and you consume it. Someone gets paid for it, and suddenly the ad that was helped paying goes away. A um, little bit of an issue. A little bit of an issue. The next version of Apple's mobile operating system, due out early next month, is going to let users install apps that prevent ads from appearing in its Safari browser, putting such things as ad blockers within reach of hundreds of millions of iPhone and iPad users. That could disrupt a $70 billion annual mobile marketing business, where a lot of publishers and tech firms hope to generate far more revenue from a growing mobile audience. If fewer users see ads, publishers and other players such as ad networks will reap less value. This is a move against Google hardcore. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, and again, that's where you start getting governments upset. So Netflix is ending its Epic's cable deal, pulling high-profile films. Uh, Netflix is saying we're focusing more on creating our own projects and TV shows, whereas Epics was giving them shows like Hunger Games and World War Z, and they're shifting from Netflix to Hulu, Hulu not publicly traded, as pay TV channel Epics is, you know, figuring out who their streaming partners are and aren't. Epics is owned by Lionsgate Entertainment and Viacom's Paramount Studios. Um, just throwing it out there. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, and Elvis needs boats.
listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I'm Rob Black. It's still summertime for, I guess, a week, but the living ain't easy on Wall Street. It's kind of tough. Um, we had a midweek reversal last week after China's monetary authorities took clear, decisive action to ease policy in order to stanch the bleeding with interest rates and bank-sensitive uh, requirement cuts. <clears throat> you had a drop of nearly 1,300 points in the Dow from the previous Friday through Tuesday. That's pretty big. But then everything turned around on Wednesday. And after all the stomach-churning gyrations, they crossed the finish line Friday up 1.1% for the week. The big boys did. So it's a little bit crazy out there, uh, and that's okay. You have to take it. The bond market's the craziest area right now. I own no bonds. <clears throat> I might passively own bonds, like if a company owns bonds, but I own no direct bonds. I'm too young. You have to know your age. You have to know your time frame. You have to know your mentality, your experience, um, and you have to be focused on it. Earlier in the show, I was talking about PayPal being a play on the digital wallet. I don't like PayPal for PayPal. I like PayPal for what else they offer. Um, they've got just a pretty big set of assets tied towards financial transactions, and a lot of people just don't know the company, which is totally understandable. Um they operate an interchange network with companies like Visa and MasterCard. So a merchant takes, you know, $2.80. Uh, the merchant <clears throat> network cha- charges the merchant $2.80 out of every $100. Most of that money, about $2.10, goes to the card issuer. And Visa, MasterCard, and PayPal get the rest, depending on who's doing the processing. But if it's a bank transfer, like a lot of people have their bank accounts trans- tied into PayPal, they take the full 2.8%, and that's about 40% of their transactions at this point in time. Now they can go after vendors like Amazon and add another solution. Amazon may or may not want this. PayPal has bought companies like Braintree, which does the processing of payments for Apple. Padian, which is an online storefront that retailers can use. Venmo, an email buddy network aimed at millennials who've probably never written a check in their life. And Zoom, they run remittances. They're going to compete with Western Union to service workers who send part of their paychecks back home. If you've ever used uh, Western Union, it's weird, to say the least. They charge more online because of fraud issues versus going into a, a storefront. Um, there's some countries that, like Ethiopia, that are on a terrorist list or you know fraud list or something, probably fraud lists, uh, that they slow down payments. So it, it's humbling. Elsewhere out there today, stocks are tumbling because the Fed over the weekend came out with uh, a Fed official, Stanley Fisher, came out and said, we probably could raise rates in September. Last week, they had a Federal Reserve President, William Dudley, say, we don't have to raise rates in September because we're worried about China's economy. The big key thing this week will be Friday's job report. That's probably the last big piece of data the Federal Reserve will have to take a look at the U.S. economy. Warren Buffett put down a big chunk of change on Phillips 66, which is a big refinery. <clears throat> now, you're probably not into the stock market like I'm in the stock market. And the refiners just had their best quarter, maybe ever. With that said, why is he buying at the top? He bought ConocoPhillips at the top. And this is Phillips 66, which is a spinoff of ConocoPhillips. It's a midstream unit. 
<clears throat> that has the assets, including things like pipelines. It's a contrarian move. He's betting big on energy infrastructure. Netflix has ended its Epix cable deal, pulling high-profile films like Hunger Games, World War Z, and Transformers at the end of the month. And Netflix is saying, like, hey, we want exclusivity. If Epix is going to go around and give it to Amazon and give it to Hulu, what are we getting out of this? Nothing exclusive. So Netflix is continuing to pump money into original shows like The Ridiculous Six, which is the first of four comedies from Adam Sandler, which, how is he still relevant? Question mark. A very Murray Christmas in which Sofia Coppola is going to direct Bill Murray. Both of those are coming in December. They've got House of Cards. They've got Orange is the New Black. Um, they're trying to be a standalone HBO kind of play. It'll be interesting. Um, I'm keeping faith in U.S. stocks at this point in time based on the employment numbers. The Standard Poor's 5.4% plunge over the past nine days has been painful, particularly in a period in which you know, popular benchmark did you know, next to nothing. Um, to me, it's all about the excesses. Bull markets end when corporate managers get carried away, carried away with capital spending, carried away with hiring, carried away with mergers and acquisitions. Um, other than some recent deals, corporations have been very reluctant to place big bets. They're not getting greedy. They're being very restrained. Um, the Fed's got me a little nervous because I think higher cost of money will affect Wall Street. It'll affect you and your your mortgages, and it'll affect you and your ability to buy homes. But I think it's going to be very, very slow. Um, I think the Federal Reserve, I think we're in a new age at this point in time of low cost of money. And it's not ending. I mean, it's already been going on for egregious amounts of time. You know, for most of 2001, 2002 probably, to 2015, it's been historically low. And that's a long time. You know, that's a long time. If you're investing lifetimes 40 years, you can look at, you know, 12 or 13 years at historically below average interest rates. I don't see us, you know, rushing and messing things up. But, again, could happen. So you always know that. Anyway, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at robblack.com. Tune in tomorrow. I'll try to do a better show. You know, um, Justin Bieber made $80 million last year. He's 21 years old. He didn't release an album last year. He made $80 million. Does that not make you go crazy? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I'll take a break here. I'll be back tomorrow, 22 hours. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.